Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad to have you joining me today on the Monday broadcast. Well, today and tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about Jacob and seven lessons learned from the kindness of Jacob to Esau. Now, I know when you hear the name Jacob, if I were to ask you to name some of the kind things that Jacob did, you know, you might have a hard time coming up with a lot of examples. I mean, we tend to think of Jacob as uh, one of these slithering, sneaky, snaky, secret types of guys, and he steals his brother's inheritance. He steals his brother's blessing. I mean, even his name implies what kind of person he was. His name means to supplant or to unseat. I mean, Jacob is a classic and a popular name today, and it comes from the Old Testament. That means supplanter, and he's often interpreted as one who seizes something. His name could literally be translated, the one who grabs the heel, and that comes from his birth. In the case of Jacob, he grabbed the heel of his twin brother Esau during the birthing process. Now, as you think about children coming into the world, if you have more than one child, you know, and if you don't have any children at all, you've got nieces and nephews and cousins, uh, you know that every person is uniquely made. And they have good traits and they have bad traits, right? And we talk about nature and we talk about nurture and uh, we talk about the fact that we ought to nurture our children. But then we also realize they have a nature. They have a bent. My oldest grandchild is now 15 months old. Now, we've already begun to recognize some positive and unfortunately some negative traits in him. And I've got to tell you, he's a cute little guy. I mean, he's got uh, this look about him. And as uh, a matter of fact, one of the girls at our church calls him the ladies' man. And he's so cute and he's so adorable. But I got to be honest with you, I have noticed recently that he has got a mischievous bent to him. We used to call him Little Bear, but now I'm going to change his name to Grizzly Bear, right? Uh, Because uh, although he is sweet and although he is cute, he has a bent to him. And I always say, well, that's not my daughter's fault. Uh, It's it's the dad's fault, right? It's my son-in-law's fault. Well, the bottom line is, is that we all are born with a certain bent. Uh, That's why the Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go, according to his bent, And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Now, that's a proverb that's given to us. It's not a promise that is given to us. And as we look at that, we can see uh, that being played out in the story of Jacob and Esau. Another Bible story of Jacob and Esau reveals family conflicts that have ongoing consequences for years to come. When they were born, we discover that Esau came out of the birth room first And then Jacob was right behind him, and Jacob grabs the heel of his brother. And even here, we see in his nature uh, this desire to take over, right? This desire to have the preeminence. And as we look at this beginning of conflict, even as they're being born, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, well, she was carrying these twins. She had a difficult pregnancy. There were two twins that were struggling together inside of her. And so she did what every woman of God would do. She prayed. And she says, Lord, why is it that I feel so awful? I I feel like there's something not right within me as she's carrying these two babies. 
And the Lord revealed to her that her two children would each be the father of two separate nations. He said that the older one would serve the younger. Even though in their culture, the older son became the head of the family, when the twins were born, the one who came out first was always the oldest and the one that would receive an extra blessing, the brunt of the blessing, right? And as we look at Jacob and Esau, we discover that Esau, the older one, had red hair all over him. His name means hairy. He's covered with hair. Jacob means heel grabber or supplanter. Now, if we're going to do a movie on these two twins, we could call it When Harry Meets Grabby, right? As we look at their story, it's a fascinating story on one hand, but we discover here that Esau and Jacob are born into conflict. They're two separate nations. Now, the second twin came out. That's Jacob, came right behind Esau, grabbing onto his brother's heel. It was as though he was already trying to pull himself up in front of his brother. Uh, His name, Jacob, is going to be changed later on, but perhaps Rebecca's mom was recalling what God had said about the older serving the younger when she gives him the name Jacob. That means chosen also. Perhaps this choice of a name of Jacob set the course on his life to deceive. You know, names are powerful, and their meanings can give influence on a child and on a spiritual level that many parents do not even understand. Well, these two boys grew up and they became men. Uh, They were as different as night and day. Esau was an outdoorsman. He loved to spend time hunting, loved to spend time out in the fields. Jacob, on the other hand, was mild-mannered. He loved to stay at home. He learned to cook, and, and he preferred to stay around the tents instead of going out into the fields. Now, unfortunately, Isaac and Rebekah contributed to the conflict between their sons by playing favorites. Isaac loved Esau. Isaac was more of an outdoorsman, and uh, Isaac and Esau are both what we can consider a man's man, right? Uh, and because uh, he came home with wild game, Esau and Jacob got along very well. Rebecca, however, favored Jacob. And as she looks at her relationship with Jacob, perhaps the tendencies of these two are seen in that Esau picks up the tendencies of his dad, Isaac, and Jacob picks up the tendencies of his mom, Rebecca. Jacob was a keen observer of Esau's weaknesses. And because he was a people watcher, he noticed that Esau had a major weakness in his life. He was a man that would give in easily to his desires. And when we look at Esau, Esau had this birthright. This was the blessing that he received. He was entitled to the main inheritance from his father. Now, we may not understand the significance of this in our culture because we don't tend to place such a high level of importance on the first male child that was born in our family, but in biblical times, we did. And as we look at this, uh, some people say, well, it doesn't seem fair that just because you were the firstborn that you were given a birthright, you were given an extra blessing. Well, as you look at it, the reason for that is because the oldest son not only got a double blessing, but also was given a heavier level of responsibility. It was his job as the older brother to keep the family together. 
It was his job as the older brother to make sure that the wealth of the family increased when the dad passed away. So he had a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. He had to carry on the tradition of the family. He had to carry on the family name. You know, when siblings try to put themselves ahead of each other, conflict builds. And we see conflict building between Jacob and Esau. We see that there is no love between these two brothers. And there's no repentance or no forgiveness between these two brothers. Their relationships with each other continue with time to fall apart. Now, parents can intervene, modeling and teaching their kids to get along and to forgive. But it seems that Isaac and Rebecca did not try to resolve the problems between their sons. In fact, we will see in the second part of the message that Rebecca contributed to Jacob's desire to supplant his brother. From observation, Jacob knew that when his brother returned from working outside, he was going to be tired. He was going to be famished. Uh, I mean, he was going to be at the point where he wanted something to eat, and he would do anything he could to get something to eat. And so what did Jacob do? Jacob cooks up a delicious meal, a lentil stew, a red stew, freshly baked bread. So Esau returns to the tents. He was drawn by the savory aroma of the food. I mean, you think about Thanksgiving morning, right? And many times on Thanksgiving morning, uh, we have people that meet with me, and we meet at my church often because I invite other families to join us. And you walk in, and you smell the turkey cooking, and you and you smell the pies cooking, and you smell the bread baking, and it just it makes you hungry just smelling it. Well, Esau returns after a long day of hunting, and he is famished, and he walks through that tent, and he smells this delicious stew. Well, Esau was a man that valued instant pleasure. He wanted his stomach to be filled. He was more concerned with instant gratification than the long-term value of his future inheritance. And so he immediately, I mean, he doesn't even think about it. He immediately makes an oath and releases his birthright to Jacob. Now, Jacob must have gloated as he served Esau that lentil stew and bread. He must have said, I finally got him. I've got that birthright. I've, I've taken it from him. And as you look at the rest of the story, Esau would claim that Jacob stole the birthright from him, but Jacob would say, oh, no, 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 uh, you sold it to me for a mess of pottage, right? And when we look at selling things, there's some things that you need to hang on to. You don't need to release them quickly. As we look at the background of this story, you may be wondering, where is the kindness of Jacob in this story? What in the world are we talking about? I don't see any kindness of Jacob in this story. Well, what I've given to you at this point is the background. Uh, getting ready for a change in the life of Jacob. I'm so happy to report that people can and do change. Now, as we fast forward the story, we're going to jump 20 years in the story, and we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 32. Uh, but before we turn there, I want to give you a verse that I would encourage you to consider memorizing. It's a verse on kindness. Romans 2, verse number 4. Don't you see? How wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? 
Can you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Now, Paul does a masterful job here explaining the kindness of God. And he reminds us that because of God's kindness, his tolerance, his patience with us, we are saved. As a matter of fact, if you don't see the kindness of God, you don't see the patience of God, you will never be born again. Paul says, doesn't this mean anything to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? You see, God is kind to us, not so that we can be accommodated in our sin. God is kind to us so that we'll be convicted of our sins, so that we will realize that God is very tolerant and very patient. So don't misunderstand the patience of God and the kindness of God, thinking that you're going to get away with things. Listen, God's wheels of justice, they grind on. They grind slowly, and he's patient, and he's tolerant, not willing that any should perish. As we look at the kindness of God, it should drive us to repentance. It should mean that we are coming to him because he's been so kind to us. Well, as we look at Genesis chapter 32, verse number 10, Jacob is speaking when he says these words, I am unworthy of all the kindness of all the faithfulness that you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Now, when we look at this verse, the context is fast-forwarding ahead. Jacob and Esau have parted. Their relationship has become so tenuous that they have broken company. They have not seen each other in 20 years. We're not sure exactly what Esau was doing. We know that he was building a town, a a village, or a, a civilization called the Edomites. That's what he was doing. We don't have a lot of details as to what was going on there, but we know he was building up a nation. Two nations uh, were gathered within Rachel, right? Esau was going to be the father of the Edomites. Jacob is looking for a wife, and he goes and he discovers a beautiful woman by the name of Rachel. And so he goes to his uncle Laban, and he wants to have the hand of Rachel in marriage. Maybe you're familiar with this story, but Laban says, you know, we've got a dowry to take care of here. And before I can give you the hand of my daughter in marriage, you've got to work for her. And so Jacob works diligently. I mean, he works his fingers to the bone for seven years, hoping and praying that he'll begin a wonderful life with this beautiful young lady named Rachel. Well, the wedding takes place, and I don't understand exactly how this could have happened, but the next day, as Jacob wakes up on the night of his honeymoon, he discovers that he doesn't have Rachel, he has Leah. Well, he goes back to Laban and says, now what in the world is going on here? I worked faithfully for seven years for your daughter, Rachel, and you gave me the older daughter, Leah. Well, Laban says, well, you know, uh, the the custom is very clear that before uh, the second daughter can be married, uh, the first daughter has to be married. And so Jacob's like, well, well, what do I need to do? I I love Rachel. I don't love Leah, uh, but Leah is now my wife. And so Laban says, I tell you what I'll do. Uh, If you work another seven years for me, uh, then you can have Rachel. And so he does. Uh, Jacob works diligently. And God is blessing his efforts. Now, Laban, prior to meeting Jacob, we're not sure exactly where he was 
financially. But we do know that Jacob was very good for business. Jacob allowed the wealth of Laban to expand. He worked for 14 years, and he finally gets Rachel. And then after marrying Rachel, he decides to stay with Laban for an additional six years, working and allowing the Lord to use him. And so here we have 20 years of Jacob's life invested in bringing wealth to the home and to the family of Laban. And so then we get into Genesis chapter 32, where Jacob says, I'm unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. Now, I want you to know something about this verse. This verse is not talking about the kindness of Laban. Laban was a conniver. Laban took advantage of Jacob. This verse is talking about the kindness of God. Jacob is saying, listen, I don't deserve God's kindness. I don't deserve his faithfulness. God has shown upon me this kindness. He says, when I came to you, Laban, all I had was a staff when I crossed the River Jordan. But now I have become two camps, two families, really, because you got the family of Leah, you got the family of Rachel. Now, Laban did Jacob wrong, no doubt about it. But Jacob didn't hold the grudge against his father-in-law. He focused on the blessing. He didn't focus on the wrongdoing. Now, let me tell you something about focus. People will do you wrong. There's no doubt about it. When you get close to people, they will hurt you. Somebody put it like this. In the cold, we gather together, and we're all like a bunch of porcupines. And we gather together for warmth, but then we poke each other as we get close to one another. So don't focus on the pokes that you've received. You can't get through life without having major hurts. And the primary hurts that you receive, the significant hurts in your life that you receive, are going to be coming from people that are close to you. People far away from you can't hurt you. It is those who are close to you that will hurt you the most. So let's look at where we are in the story. Jacob and Esau have been separated for 20 years. They are going to come back together. This is where we see the kindness of Jacob and how he works in his attempt to reconcile his relationship with his brother. Here's my first point. The kindness will smooth the path of strained relationships. There is a major contention between Jacob and his brother Esau. It was so intense that it even is recorded outside the book of Genesis. A guy by the name of Obadiah. And now, if you haven't read your Bible, and you, you may not be familiar with Obadiah, it's a short minor prophet with a powerful message. This is what Obadiah says about Jacob and Esau. Obadiah says that Jacob will be a fire, and Joseph a flame. Esau will be stubble and they will set him on fire and destroy him. There will be no survivors from Esau. The Lord has spoken. Now, remember when Rachel was carrying Jacob and Esau. She is struggling. She's not feeling well. She cries out to the Lord, why is there so much conflict within my womb? And God says, because there's two nations within you. We have Israel, and we have the Esau tribe. We have the Edomites and that the survivors of Esau. But here we learn there will be no survivors of Esau. The Lord has spoken. So we know today that there are no Edomites because that was a fire that was destroyed, the descendants of Esau. Now, when we look at kindness smoothing the path of a strained relationship, 
fueling unkindness would not bring about anything good. Jacob also knew something else about kindness. Kindness in a relationship is like oil to an engine. Now, if you go out into your garage today and you take out the drain plug and you drain out all of the oil from your crankcase and then you fire up that engine, that engine is not going to last very long. It's going to seize up. Without oil, the engine will seize. But as long as you have oil in that engine, that will smooth things out. Uh, You know, a tremendous fire takes place in an internal combustion engine. And these pistons are going up and down. They're rubbing against the sides of that engine. And without oil, it will seize up. So kindness in in relationships is like oil to an engine. Brother Esau was filled with jealousy, filled with strife, filled with conflict. That caused him to hate Jacob. He hated Jacob so much that he wanted to kill him. Genesis 27, 41. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessings that his father had given to him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. So for 20 years, Jacob and Esau are separated. For 20 years, Esau has been waiting for the old man to die and says, you just wait till he dies, and then I will get my brother. Then I will kill Jacob. You know, only God can turn hatred into love. Jacob knows the part that he played into destroying his relationship with his twin brother. But Jacob had learned something that Esau never seems to learn. In psychology, we would say that Jacob has some self-awareness, acknowledging his part in the relationship breakup. You know, I used to do a lot of marriage counseling. I, I don't do a whole lot now just because I don't have the time and And there's another reason I don't do a whole lot of marriage counseling, because I've discovered that a lot of times when you're involved in marriage counseling, it's not really couple counseling or marriage counseling. uh, It's more conflict management. And oftentimes a couple would go and and they would come and meet with me and and, and they would not come to, to repair the marriage, but they would come and attempt to repair their spouse. And so I would take a circle and draw a circle and I would say to the wife, now, now as we look at the conflict uh, that you have be- between you and your husband, uh, here's a, a circle. Uh, let's liken it to a pie. And would you draw on this circle a piece of this pie indicating what percentage of the problem you think is you? And maybe it's 5% or 10% or 50% or 80%. It doesn't really matter. Uh, be honest. What do you think your slice of the pie is? And then I would say the same thing to the husband. You know, as I did this numerous times, I could never have a couple who would think that, well, uh, I'm the majority of the problem. And many times they wouldn't even acknowledge their slice of the pie. They wouldn't acknowledge the fact that they had a part in the relationship breaking apart. Uh, Well, that's where Esau is. Esau never seems to get to the point where he acknowledges his shortcoming, but Jacob does. Jacob acknowledges his part in the breakup. Now, I wish I had time I could develop the story of him wrestling with the angel. We'll cover that a little bit tomorrow. But the most important building block in relationship repair is owning your piece of the pie. 
understanding that there is part of me that is fallen short of the glory of God, and I will own that piece of the pie. I will acknowledge and I will repent and I will ask for forgiveness on that piece of the pie. And so Jacob learns kindness would smooth the relationship that was strained between he and his brother. Well, I hope that you join me for part two. We just covered the first point today. Uh, We've got six more traits of kindness that Jacob shows to Esau. So join me tomorrow for part two of this message. Before I sign off, on October the 1st at 1015, in between our 9 o'clock service and our 1045 service, we are dedicating a brand new building. And the Lord's blessed us with an 8,500 square foot building. We're calling it the Ark A-R-K, which stands for Always Reaching Kids. Well, I want to invite you to join us for this ceremony. Uh, We're going to do a ribbon-cutting ceremony. We're going to open up the building. Some of the staff uh, will be there to show you the building. We'd love to have you come join us on October the 1st. That's a Sunday at 1015. I will have some cake and a time of celebration. I hope that you can join me. And if you do come on that Sunday, make sure that you uh, shake my hand and say hello and tell me that you listened to me on the radio. I'd love to get to know you. Love to spend some time with you. Thank you so much for joining me today. So I pray that your day goes well. I pray that God will fill you with his kindness. Join me tomorrow for part two. God bless you. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.